and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello everyone and welcome to this, the latest edition of ESSR Feature here on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Podcasting Network. I'm Stephen Wilson and today we are going to be talking about technically the US brand, technically, in the mainstream professional wrestling scene. We're going to be talking about the revamped version of the black and gold brand. We're going to be talking about NXT 2.0 as we're pretty much near six months now since that brand was given a bit of a makeover. Uh, we'll be looking at why it was given that revamp, how the revamp has went, how the people in the revamp are doing, so on and so on, what things have happened that we think shouldn't have probably happened and so on and so on. Uh, given my panel today, we could have some interesting thoughts on such a revamp. But before I introduce them, uh, please hit the subscribe button if you've never listened to us before. We're on all good podcasting networks. The one that you're listening to us on and everything else. Just search for us at Sleep Simplex Retweet. Uh, you can find us all on YouTube as well. And on social media, just find us at Simplex Retweet on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Right. Joining me this evening is a man who is soon to be recognised as NXT UK's NXT UK, NXT 2.0's Vult uh, best man from the Liverpool area is John Isherwood Hello, how are we all? Yes, very good man, very good uh, I'd, love and... be, I'd love to be part of NXT if that happened, that'd be amazing get that contract to me now I never know man, you might make your Belgian way up you've got the training going on, you know it could happen one day one day, one day, in the Rumble this weekend, let's have it. For win that, never know. Yeah, absolutely. And a man who bleeds black and gold, his opinions could be very interesting on this one. He is wearing multicoloured, so please, I'm a bit torn in his opinions on this particular show. As David Hawking. Listen, I may be wearing multicoloured, but I am all black and gold when it comes to NXT and... I have been chomping at the bit to talk about this show for a long time, so I think it's going to be a good one today. Yes, hopefully it should be NXT 2.0. Now, obviously, we're around about six months, five, six months since the revamp happened. It's about six months since they kind of announced or teased the revamp, but to, to go through kind of how we got to that particular point, essentially, we, we need to go back to WrestleMania last year, around about that time where the Wednesday night the wars officially ended with pretty much NXT announcing that they were going to move to Tuesday nights as opposed to Wednesday, which had been on you know, since they launched many, many, many years ago. Uh, the Wednesday night war that had been running since September 2019 and at the point where NXT you know, went two hours and Dynamite launched on AEW and during that time, NXT won the ratings war 10 out of 75 heads-to-heads with them winning just once in the 18-49 to 49 demo. Uh, Dave, I'll quickly go to you in this one. Um, didn't quite go to plan the Wednesday Night Wars for NXT. Nope, definitely not. But I, I suppose that's the, the whole... That's the way the, the world works when you get a shiny new product on the market. It's people are going to jump ship to check out the new stuff. And at the time, you know, there was a lot of people who were very much anti-WWE at the time, particularly with the main roster. But 
some would also say maybe NXT Black and Gold kind of lost its sparkle during it, the time of the pandemic because a large portion of that that made it so successful was the crowd. Uh, but um, AW Dynamite, you know, launching with being a new product and having a really raucous crowd week in and week out, that was definitely a... It definitely knocked Black and Gold NXT down a few pegs. Yeah, John. Black and Gold during the pandemic. It wasn't so much gold, it was quite black. Uh, moved to the Capital Wrestling Centre. Very much a grunge underground feel to NXT. And I think to many people, myself included, it was a bit like... Yeah, I'm not too sure how this one is compared to the shiny product that Dynamite was putting on. Yeah, as David was saying then, that the crowd really made NXT as well, like much as it did with AEW. Yeah, that fan base was so, so into that product. And they were loyalists. And I think that all kind of stemmed from Triple H's mantra, you know, we are NXT. And he really made that whole sort of family vibe with it it was something that everybody bought into it was a movement you know it was it was almost ecw like in a sense maybe it did take a cue from from paul Heyman with it but it did suffer in the pandemic much like you know a lot of wrestling did because you know you're performing behind closed doors which had to happen you know i think there were other ways that maybe wwe could have gone about it i think they could have used their extensive tape library to be able to to make that work better but with nxt you're putting on this product and and you know they they debuted someone who probably should have been like one of the biggest stars in that organization during that period and he still managed to do quite well with it but like you said the shine was taken off it quite heavily and i think that's the moment it all began to sort of i wouldn't say crash down but it started to go downhill Got until uh, researching the show that the the start of the the pandemic, uh, no, the pandemic. So it's like the Wednesday night was very steep, going to two hours, and the uh, I think it was uh, USA forgot that they had the final episodes of Suits also running at that time, so they had to run an hour on the network and an hour on the. How do how do companies forget stuff like that? We're negotiating big contracts. You would check the details and you know, oh, we, we just forgot. Like we've still got some episodes of Suits still to play here. Sorry, guys, can you just, like, delay half of this or whatever? Ridiculous. I mean, surely you get all the sports bookings and stuff going on as well. Like, surely they'd have learned their lesson, you know, to work their way around, like, scheduling conflicts, etc. Oh, yeah, look at right now, you know, like, NXT and and, um, Raw, they've been bumped to sci-fi, haven't they? Because of, Uh you know, playoff games and, and, you know, certain games that are on in the States. They've been bumped to the other part of the network. Why did they not just realise this? I mean, Suits is not exactly a new show. <laughs> you know, it's, it's schedules set in stone. They should have realised that. That was, again, another thing that gave it a bit of a disadvantage. But, yeah, that's not taken away from anything that happened in the ring and and, and anything that happened on the programme. Imagine the people who didn't watch USA Network and they just went on the network like they usually do. They just saw the Undisputed Era on they with all the gold there. And I'm just like, oh, man. But then if you consider who they beat the gold, he won the gold off of that night, Roddy Strong. Yeah. Best, best not to speak of it. Uh, oh, you kidding me? That was a great night. Every single member of Undisputed Era ended up winning all the men's titles in NXT. Like, you couldn't have asked for anything more beautiful. We spoke about this before, haven't we, David? They were legit one of the best factions in WWE history, in my opinion. And I Um, stand by that. I'm just devastated. Again, it's great. I can see them now, but 
Oh, man, they dropped the ball with that. But we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, obviously, uh, Wednesday night was, we started a bit of fear and kind of, it continued like that with the momentum of Dynamite kind of took them forward. You know, Dynamite, Dynamite took a bit of a hit at the end of 20, no, 2019. Now it's back at the start of 2020, the Cody Rhodes stuff when he was going into the um, world title match. No, the match started with MGF. It was fantastic stuff. They held the pandemic stuff very well. Uh, well, as NXT kind of felt a bit samey, samey. Uh, I think maybe they were let down a bit the fact that when they were one hour, the um, the weekly content wasn't exactly stellar. They relied quite a lot on their takeover content. I felt so they went two hours straight into a two hour head to head with a fresh company. They were pretty much destined to fail. And I think the fact that they did inevitably fail, you know. To AEW, I mean, they were presented at this particular point. I mean, Triple H was going round the world. He was presenting his NXT vision. We're going to go to Japan. We're going to go to this place. Blah blah blah. But obviously, they went to the UK, Europe, with NXT UK. But when you're then told by your boss, like, you need to push this and beat the competition, and it didn't. There was, you know, John Murmurs around about this time that perhaps Big Very Mac was maybe not too happy about how things went down and when we got to something that we spoke about on a previous show here on the podcast uh, August 6th a huge raft of NXT releases happened you kind of got the feeling like yeah he's a bit pissed <laughs> yeah I think Vince he you know he always heard that he wasn't bothered about it he didn't know about it he, he just didn't care but he did because it's part of his company and it's this is brand, and he, you know, he wanted it to be the best. But then I think when he noticed that it wasn't working against this shiny new toy that had popped onto the market, he did start the purge, and then the releases began, and that was sort of them now having to change what they had to do on the on the fly, and you know, stop feuds, start new ones, change. You know, the title picture, you know, maybe somebody was considered for a shot, but it wasn't going to happen. And it, it that throws your show into even more chaos and causes even more problems. And, you know, I mean, like the WWE writers are notoriously always saying that they are just run off their feet and it's so difficult to create a show. It must be the same now with with NXT. It must have been in that period where you're trying to work in a storm and the winds and the rains battering you, but you, you just literally can't do anything about it and you've got to carry on. Yeah, I mean, David, one thing that people would maybe criticise about the NXT golden era is, granted, the top end of the card was great. You had, done, you had the likes of DIY, you know, you had the Undisputed Era, all these type of guys. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of guys kind of underneath who you would, they would sign them and you wouldn't see them for weeks. I mean, the great example recently debuting on AEW, Keith Lee. Keith Lee signed at the start of 2019. We barely ever saw him wrestle for about nine months until that kind of war game survivor series point when he broke out. So, that was a, yeah. I was just going to say, that, was a, that wasn't entirely his fault because I think he was dealing with an injury quite early on, like, especially after his first match with Dijakovic and. So I, I wouldn't put that against him. I think he was just a bit unlucky with his uh, initial run. But then when he came back, things just skyrocketed for him. Yeah, you can kind of understand that 
if they let people go from NXT who are maybe at the bottom filler, you can maybe like, fit enough. We brought the guys in, we had a look at them, the rest of the couple of times. Don't really fit the style, you know. There's a couple of examples in this draft of releases. I mean, the guys, Ari, Ari Sterling is a great example, Alex A. Uh, fantastic independent wrestler, wrestles every, wrestles pretty much everywhere on the indies. Just didn't fit the WWE NXT style. So understandable that one. But when you look at some of the gap, some of the headline names of this particular release, I mean, there's obviously the Bronson Reed, you know, Jonah, uh, North American champion about two months before this. Uh, one that Dave's still really bitter on for to this day, Bobby Fish, you know, undisputed yeah. Ernest Stalwalt, you know, uh, Mercedes Martinez, she was in title matches months before that. I mean, one of the more baffling ones was Tyler Rust, who was probably on NXT TV and part of Diamond Mind. I mean, granted, Diamond Mind is still in a decent place right now, but David, when these guys are getting me, Bronson Reed, you think, right? Mm. Cool. He, he's going to go to SmackDown or Raw. Then he gets released. You're like, yeah, yeah he's I- not particular. That's, that's another particular side that Vince has bought, right? What we've been doing here isn't working anymore. It's. It really didn't transition well, you know, if he was that upset about losing the ratings war. But a guy like Bronson Reed, he was somebody who was really finding his feeting, finding his footing in NXT. Like, particularly, it was his, I think it was Johnny Gargano he defeated to win the North American title. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate as well, like, you know, he was on the verge of being called up to, to the main roster as well. And I've said before, Bronson Reed would have been an excellent fit given how agile he is for such a big guy. But to see him just get let go after, literally about a week after losing the title to Isaiah Swerve Scott, I mean, that was genuinely shocking because I thought that would have been his NXT send-off, probably, losing the title and then getting called up. But I wasn't expecting it to be him to be released at all. Never mind um, another former NXT North American champion, Leon Ruff. Like, you know, he's a guy who could have gone for maybe the cruiserweight title at some point, but he just... I'm I'm genuinely baffled, other than, you know, this is just the, the ramblings of a, a bitter company owner who's lashing out because he feels his product isn't beating the shiny new toy. But you weren't going to... You weren't going to beat the shiny new toy within its first six months to a year because everybody's going to want to see how well it, it gets on. So releasing these guys, especially when the pandemic was still an issue, it's it's ludicrous as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'll stick with you, David. One of the things that we were round about the release time as well. One, the company was on the verge of a takeover show, Takeover 36, which mm-hmm. the last official takeover to this point that they bring it back. I don't know. But there was also a lot of reports coming out from journalists, you know, uh, saying that there'd be talks internally about changing the brand, you know, there was talks about a new logo, focusing a lot on the younger talent, you know, just going with a different format, you know, there was Meltzer was coming out saying that they were going to go back to a more of a developmental style to it, and there was of course the interview on BT with Nick Cannon, who pretty mm-hmm. much confirmed this, you know, this is, we're going to do these revamps, you know, and there was it was coinciding as well with a lot of the speculation around Adam Cole's contract as well. It was, it was, it would be a quite uncertain time, especially when you go after the takeover because they kept the format for a few weeks. Granted, they pre-recorded a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. it was a bit confusing. You were kind of like, what are they going to do? 
I definitely felt very much like a transitional period because everybody knew the change was coming, particularly those in the crowd who voiced their displeasure at it, <laughs> which is quite clear, especially at TakeOver 36, uh, following the two out of three falls main event match between Cole and O'Reilly. Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a very weird time knowing that, you know, something that fans have been cheering for for best part of four to five years, maybe, is just going through a revamp and almost a step back, as it were, because it Triple H has just built this up over such a long period of time and it was outshining the main roster on so many occasions, not just the weekly TV, but the takeovers were outdoing the big four on some occasions too. And I don't know if maybe that's what factored into the, the decision-making process. Maybe I'm just being cynical on it, but I reckon it was a factor for sure, given that NXT, which was supposedly their developmental product, all these indie guys shining, coming in, shining, making it their own, and they were just outdoing the guys that Vince and Co. thought were the stars of their company. And I, I think it's pretty poor. You know, they just can't let these people just shine on their own show. Even though they call it WWE developmental, maybe it's developmental to the WWE style, but they're fantastic wrestlers. Uh, it's... TakeOver 36 will probably go down as probably one of the last great shows the NXT's produced, largely because of Walter Dragunov as well, which, as we said, you know, NXT UK was a huge part to play in Triple H's vision of taking NXT worldwide. Uh, it was a it was a very, very troubling time. Well, it's definitely have one of the best uh, TakeOver main events. But the fact that TakeOver's offended on the little of carrying Cross and Samoa Joe's match is quite a sad thought, but... Uh, John, it's interesting when you kind of delve into the Nick Khan interview with him at this time. A lot of what he was kind of saying kind of it fed into what so many people who watched the WWE product were kind of uh, talked about for so many years. A lot of these guys, they worked the style on NXT, which was more of an independent style, you know. They would go to the main roster, they wouldn't get booked the same, which his comments were kind of like, we're making, we're, we're bringing in guys that we can build into this WWE style. And I kind of think because a lot of the guys who have done well out of NXT, I say done well out of NXT, they have fitted into that upper echelon of WWE. The likes of Seth Rollins, you know, I'll even put Damian Priest into there because he wasn't exactly an, an indie darling. He had a decent run at Ring of Honor, but I wouldn't say he was in the class of Adam Cole and that. You look at the, the likes of they guys, they kind of, they went to the main roster and they kind of just, they molded their style into this kind of WWE style. Well, there was a lot of guys that were maybe like, they would go up, they were, and they didn't quite adapt to that style. Keith Lee's a great example. He, he should have he should have fit that mold, but something didn't quite click. We're having that one. Carrying Gross as well, they put a damn freaking shield thing on his face. And this, I mean, I don't really. Unless we talk about that gimmick, the better, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, exactly God, the bloody, bloody bondage just, slave gimmick. <laughs> it's just like they kind of fought, like, right? It's got, it, we had a buzz between. You know, 2016, 2019. The buzz is gone. The AWs took the buzz. Let's go back to the roots and try again. That's what it kind of felt like. No, that's exactly what it felt like, Stephen. You're, you're spot on with that assessment, really, in my eyes. I mean, that they, you know, just going back over the, the conversation you were just having with David then, uh, it, it was that feeling that these events were just so incredible. These takeover events were amazing. Their matches were fantastic. The style was amazing. These, these guys, we invested in them, but that was kind of how 
NXT was presented over that time. And again, as I said before, Triple H brought that whole mentality of, you know, we are NXT, follow that, my friends. That was printed on their T-shirts at some point. He wanted that to outshine them all the time because he was trying to prove a point. And I think this is this is also the kind of sad point of, of, of Vince going, well, I'm proving my point now. I'm going to show you that this doesn't work and you should do it my way. And and the whole thing with, with the Nick Khan interview, which I I remember watching and sharing with friends and, and kind of hearing about the, this rebranding. He said they were going to do it and they were going to change it. It did give me that kind of uneasy feeling because it, yeah, what was coming out of NXT was great. And whereas you were saying before, it was WWE developmental. That's not how they saw it. It was a third brand. That's how it was positioned from Triple H and Shawn Michaels and everybody behind NXT. It was a third brand. You had Raw, you had SmackDown, you had NXT. There was no developmental. It was three brands. But now it is developmental. Yeah, we're watching a wrestling school on TV, technically. And Nick Khan brought that whole thing there. And it was like, this This all needs to change. And, and they, like you said, the ones that came up, like Seth Rollins, who I genuinely think is one of the you know, best talents in the business. He has adapted along and he's changed so much along time which he had to do coming from like you know the rocker seth rollins i watched his nxt title win again not long ago against jinder mahal if you remember that back in the day the gold rush tournament yeah the gold rush tournament exactly and and, you know he's swinging the belt around his head like he did when he won the the wwe title for the first time yeah yeah launching around he's got the blonde streak in his hair he's wearing shorts but then when we next see him properly he's with roman reigns and moxley dean ambrose as the shield and he's something different. And then he's molded on to become, you know, this next level of Steph Rollins, the Beast Slayer, the King Slayer. And now, you know, the visionary, this drip guard, he's, he's something completely different. Damien Priest has changed his character a little bit. Keith Lee should have come up. And again, I always refer to that documentary Vince did on the network with him. You're going to be a big star, kid. You're going to be the future, you know, and he's giving him all that. And then he gets released. And he can't. I know he had his health problems, but Keith Lee was a huge misstep. That Royal Rumble moment with Brock Lesnar. Oh my word! Oh, so screwed. Ooh, big boy. Like, exactly. He, he put him over. Randy Orton put him over. Karrion Cross. As I said before, the, the the pandemic era brought us one of the finest characters that NXT had in Karrion Cross and Scarlett. That duo was incredible, and they came out together. And that entrance. I wanted that at WrestleMania. That at WrestleMania would have been immense. Give me that. Inject it. It was amazing. But then they chucked him on the main roster, as you said, in like a dodgy demolition outfit and a bucket on his head. And was that was that them going, hey, you know, this is what we want now. This is our style. It's so bizarre that they screwed that up. And now... Nick Khan was like, well, we're going to develop our own. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to bring our own through because, you know, everybody who was watching NXT Black and Gold, well, they're not watching it now because they're all watching AEW. So let's get a different audience. Mm-hmm. Was that was that the plan or was he just genuinely looking at spreadsheets? It was a bizarre moment, but I think it was a turning point in the history, not just of NXT, but WWE in general, really. This is, this is a completely new era of WWE. Before we get on to the actual, you know, the launch, the official launch of NXT 2.0, when they actually actually said that we're going to do this, 
there was a Another strange moment, Dave, which will come to you, and it was involving the man who won the NXT Championship at that TakeOver 36, Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Came out and said he had to, on, online on social media, said, I'm vacating the title. I'm vacating, I have to vacate it for injury. Now, to a lot of people online, there was a lot of debate of, right, is Samoa Joe actually injured? Or has he been given a bit of a, a heave-ho by... You know the, the hires up who, like less than six months beforehand, released them, and then Triple H got on the blower to him and went, "No, I want you to come in here and help me with my NXT mm. project." And I think the recent the events that we've saw in the last month or so, with there really being a purge of Triple H guys backstage, like Sir William Regal, you know the Road Dog, you know guys guys like that you know uh you got to think and even joe himself i forget him you really got to think was Samoa joe actually injured or is this a case of big red reset button hit to the max hit with such authority <laughs> uh you know when you say it out loud it actually makes the the conspiracy theories fly through my head now because <laughs> i mean in hindsight you know, there was, as you said, that massive purge of Triple H associates who were all contributing factors to what NXT Black and Gold was made so successful. Uh, but you could tell, I think, you know, a lot of these guys had Attitude Era experience behind them. Joe obviously had the the TNA experience behind him, not just Impact. It, I, honestly, the hindsight is, I think they just needed to get the belt off Cross, given that he had moved to the main roster by that point and was reduced to being squashed by Jeff Hardy, by Keith Lee, without Scarlett by his side. Like, Scarlett was a huge, a huge part of his character, and obviously they're real-life partners, so they had the chemistry behind it. And that's what thing... those two guys got from being crossed, by the way. They're right up on the, on the, oh. on the cards right now. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Oh, but, yeah, I think the way you said it, you know, WWE just did a massive purge of anything to do with Triple H's NXT and Triple H's vision. But this is what really, really annoys me the most. Like, how does WWE not realize that the casual audience, you know, the ones that would mainly just watch Raw and SmackDown in their primetime spots, like, how many of them really care about the NXT, the black and gold? Because that was sort of painted as sort of like the super indie promotion of, you know, that was embedded within WWE. And it was only a, a two-hour show at most, never mind the five hours of Raw and SmackDown that you should get per week. It was an alternative to the big brands. It was an alternative for, for diehard fans that wanted to see something on a much simpler basis. And Triple H and his colleagues, you know, HBK, Road Dog, etc., and even Samoa Joe to an extent, they were the guys that built that vision. They were the ones who appealed to a certain demographic, the, the ones that wanted to see, you know pure and simple wrestling content with a simple storyline to get interest peaked and not to mention they let the performers go with their own characters as well and that's why it developed such a a hardcore audience which you could sell sell out arenas for takeovers sure it wasn't as big as like you know maybe the big four or some of the other pay-per-views etc but all the whole crowd 
was alive for the NXT product. It wasn't a combination of diehards and mostly casual fans, you know, with families wanting to see them and stuff. It was... Nowadays, I've just got no idea who NXT is aimed for. I mean, if it's developmental now, that screams it's more for a ca- more for WWE's casual audience now rather than these diehard fans who want to see their favorite performers. And that's why I think they're jumping ship to AEW. Yeah, but there was a time, you know, they had to choose, you know, between the two, you know, given the whole Wednesday Night Wars. But when they did move back to Tuesdays, it almost felt they were refocusing on up and coming redevelopment and stuff. But there was another thing that annoyed me about it, but I'll, I'll bring that up a little bit later on, you know, when we talk about the 2.0 version of NXT. I mean, John, when, it, when they were announcing the guys that were going to be, when Regal went, and the other one who didn't officially get, wasn't confirmed, he kind of confirmed himself when he's on Twitter, was Gabe Sapolsky. Yes. You know, the, the man who ran Evolve. He ran, he was a booker for Ring of Honor back in his heyday. He ran Dragon Gate USA. He was. Triple H's man on the Indies for so many years, you know, and when he was gone, it was like, it was like, yeah, if Joe, if Joe's still here, if Joe's still here in a couple of days, I'll be shocked and whether we know he was the guy to go, you know, and it was, it was weird, but we got 2.0, John, when it launched, its official launch date uh, in September of last year. It was kind of like, we saw the branding when they were advertising it again, it was a kind of, Black and gold was out. It was like the multicolor thing, you know. They may say otherwise. I, I thought I think the logo was fine. I'm not gonna. I, it it looks ridiculous. It looks like somebody was painting a picture and then sneezed on it. <laughs> I, I think it's okay, you know. I think the, the the CWC looks a lot better. I think it's a lot brighter and all. But first first show, we get the first show right, and the first show is your typical example of right. I'm gonna take. I've got a bunch of st- a bunch of things, right? A bunch of balls under my hand. I'm gonna throw them out of the wall and see who gets the most attention. You know, you know, we might get a couple of guys on the floor, but Broad Breaker's gonna be nice and spread out on this canvas. You know, it's, it's kind of like that type of thing. First few weeks was very much a teetering process. There was a lot of the first show I thought was good. A couple of shows after it, not so much, and that was a case of right. We went, we've literally. You know, shelved a lot of these guys who were there before, or some of them are leaving. We've got all these new characters, let's bring them in. And it was they didn't drip them like they used to do kind of at that point. They kind of launched a lot of them right away. It was a bit full on, wasn't it? Oh, very, very much so. It was like you said, it was like um, like throwing everything up against the wall and just seeing just what happens. And the the logo, I've got to I've got to say, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, David. It does it does have that kind of like you know, paint's just been splattered everywhere. It looks like a a, a a school project you probably did when you were about six. Yeah, but, it's NXT CBBs. That's what I'm getting that vibe from. <laughs> but they changed. They they wanted to make that change, and like NXT Black and Gold was that kind of grungy, and even like with the the music choices they made. You know, it was that grungy feel and that more rock feel to it. Even like, you know, um, what was it? It was it We Are Not Your Kind. That was a mm. that that amazing intro. Um, and then he moved to like a, this, you know, hip hop song and made it all brighter. And they made the, the CWC really bright because that's what they wanted. You know, they wanted this to go and pop right in front of your face and make it look like oh wait a minute you've got to pay attention 
you know, to this show. And that then they sort of still had those those NXT black and gold hangover types. You know, the Garganos, the you know, the Kyle O'Reilly's were still going around and Champa was still champion. You know, he, well, he was going to be champion, wasn't he? Spoiler, if you missed that mm-hmm. episode. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there was there was that whole situation. And like you said, Stephen, yeah, the, the Bron Breaker was going to be that was the guy they were focusing on. That's what who they'd gone all in on. But there were like other people who they were throwing out there. The likes of the you know Tony D'Angelo, who they started to set up, and um, Grayson Waller, yeah. And and these these characters, I, as soon as I saw those, I saw D'Angelo, and especially when I saw him debut, I was like, oh, this is like straight out of the eighties, or straight out of like that new gen, the new generation. Mm-hmm. I will not hear a bad word said about Tony D'Angelo. Do you know what? No I know what. I don't. Want, I don't put, I'm, I'm thinking about Mr. Hawkey there. I don't. Uh, he's the one. Do not say a bad word about that man. Or he'll make you sleep with the fishes. He's one of the <laughs> one of the characters. Yeah, that's the that's the joke about Tony D'Angelo. He, he's just a it's an Amer- it's an Italian American stereotype that was it's all about the character rather than the than the wrestling. But that's exactly that's what they're going for. That's exactly what they wanted. It's about the character. They want these people to like yeah. pop out of the screen as these huge, you know, larger than life characters, like it was in the in the eighties and the early nineties when you you know. Again, you're getting the ones that they threw up against the wall to see what stuck and didn't work. You know the the, the TL Hoppers, you know the goons and and the, you know the people like that that they they started to use and then they obviously they just got rid of them quickly. These are the people that they went and launched up against. Oh, I mean, look at Tian Sha, who were just this dark, wonderful force. Tian Sha was great. I was like, these promos are awesome. And now, obviously, Boas. A little bit different. Um, Zaya Lee's on SmackDown somewhere, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, Mei Ying is now um, Wendy Chu, who I oh. absolutely love. <laughs> <laughs> who is, who's constantly in, in bed? <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, look, the, the gimmick works, but th- that's what they did. They started this whole thing, and it just seemed to be like, right, okay, these are our people, and this is what you're going to see, and these are the characters that you're going to get to know, but they're going to be properly outrageous. And and you know they're gonna be they are gonna be that kind of throwback, and you are gonna see them working in a probable slightly different style to what you're used to. And some are unbelievably green as grass; they really are. But yeah, you know, there are some standouts within that and that debut episode where they just like you said threw it all up against the wall, and it was Bron Breaker who stood out because. Uh, that dude, that dude is money. He is oh, yeah. going. He's going to be a star. You know, a man who moves like his dad and talks like his uncle. He's going <laughs> to be a star. You know what he reminds me of? He's kind of like a. He's kind of like a reincarnation of Mojo Rawley. Because my well, description of well, oh, obviously, better, obviously. <laughs> yeah, 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 obviously a much better version. But um, he just has that that sort of energy. You know. The same as Mojo, it's like he has that same level of energy after he's drank about a six pack of Red Bull. And, you know, Braun is that sort of guy that, you know, he, he was the true standout of this new era. And that's one of the one positive aspects I can take from this brand new NXT. I mean, I'll talk about a lot of the guys in a bit. We'll get yeah. around a lot of the kind of names and that one. But Dave, I'll go back to this one. The interesting point for that, that debut episode of 2.0 was the 
crowning of the champion in mm-hmm. the main event match. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who I hope I had up and say, I thought he was, he was the outside bet going into the match. Didn't think he had a sh- shot in hell, but they gave him the belt. And to me, this kind of screamed very early full sale NXT, which I, I know you're Mr. Black and Gold. I mm-hmm. love the full sale early era. Yeah, that stuff. I think that's fantastic. But give me Blumen Enzo Amore shaving the French guy's hair off every day. That's not best one for yet. Yeah, just give, I love that. I, I love that spell. You know, I, I, I love the kind of touring side of it. But I really, I'm a big fan of that era. But it kind of screamed at that point because at that point you had a lot of guys, you had a lot of big names still going down and helping these younger guys out. You know, it was like I remember was it. Sheamus take on Aiden English or something one point. I vaguely remember these type of matches happening. The only one I can really recall, the only one I can really recall is Sami Zayn and Cesaro. Yeah, the best yeah, example. Yeah, Sami Zayn Cesaro. That's a great example. You were getting a lot of the kind of established names helping to build this one, and you felt that is what you you were getting here with Champa, especially as the months went on. I mean, we got the um, his first match with Braun Breaker. Everybody was like, hey, Breaker's going to beat him, and he's going to go up, and he's going to be this and that. But no. He beat mm. Breaker, you know, and it was kind of like, right, they're doing something different to kind of help build the start up. And there's a few, there is a few guys down there still. We we'll kind of talked about a bit who have done, are doing similar jobs. I mean, I, I know this might hurt you that he's still there, Dave, but Roderick Strong, he's 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 helping the, the, the he's his influence around the Creed brothers. I think is massive as well. You know, just they are doing a vital job. Some of the guys down there, like Chapman. Not just the Creed brothers, but don't, let's not forget Ivy Nile either. You know, she's getting more exposure on 205 Live, but still getting a, a presence on NXT. And that that's not gone unnoticed. I could see her as a future NXT Women's Champion. She's got something, Joy. I'll say well. Yeah. The guys, but she, has, she has got that type of style that looks like she could, as we saw when uh, Roddy Strong beat Kushida for the Cruiserweight title down there, that she could beat you up. I mean, I'm not saying Kushida's your, you know, you know, big, massive bouncer-style guy, but you can, she can still pack Oh, yeah, it. yeah. She she looks like she could batter you as well. You know, she's she's got that that proper athlete look. And she's a, yeah, she's obviously... Uh, uh, I can't remember what show she was on. Um, was it the one that The Rock did? I can't remember. Um, but she came from that, and she's, you know, clearly like a power lifter, that kind of thing, and she's perfect for that. But she, she's got the presence. What's that, sorry? Games. That's the one. It was the one with the rock, wasn't it? Uh, That's when he did. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did that one. Um, but yeah, oh, it, it, I, I was thinking American Gladiators for some reason, but that was Hulk Hogan that hosted that. That was Hulk Hogan, yeah. <laughs> that was a time, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, she's got a, a fantastic presence. And and, and just kind of going back on, on Champa before yeah, moving on with that, I think the Champa title decision on that episode was very much in the vein of giving Chris Jericho the AEW title as their first champion because it was that it's that with AEW Chris Jericho was that link to what you knew um, but with this new product and with Champa that's NXT black and gold but moving to 2.0 so like it was like oh well wait a minute so maybe they are still invested in our guys so I'll follow Champer and see what he does here and it's kind of like bringing that audience with him with the people that you know instead of just going here's a big new shiny canvas let's throw all these things on it and here's something new that you don't really know what you're invested in but you've got someone to hook that over and as you said you know he, he built he built 
Bron Breaker up, and he's still doing it now. Yeah, that's that's how invested they are in him. He's still doing it now. Um, but yeah, I, I agree on that point with Ivy Nard, by the way. I think she's she's fantastic. I mean, y- you look at that female talent, and we mentioned before about you know, how some of them I said were like green as grass. They really are, you know. Like mm. I think Electra Lopez had a very sort of poor debut match. She wasn't great. And I think was that the one that was the one with Beef Fab, wasn't it? Um if you well, remember the beat up. Yeah, and, and yeah, Legado versus Fant- Legado, Legado versus uh Hit Row. Hit Row, yeah, and it was an absolutely dreadful performance by the pair of them. Ugh. But then I, I remember yeah, I think over to AEW and Jade Cargill is green as grass. She's still got a lot, but oh my god, she screams superstar. Mm-hmm. She is she is not just green as grass, she is green like money. She she's gonna be massive, which is why they put that TBS title on her. Yeah. And she's greener than the incredible Hulk wearing uh Asda shopping bag over her head. <laughs> but she she gets it and she's really good. And it's the same with Ivy Nile. I think you know, she's got a lot to, to give there and she's in the right place with the right people, especially for her you know, her gimmick right now. I think that just is perfect. Right. So I mentioned that we, we talked about Broad Breaker. We'll talk a bit more about him in a wee bit, but I'm going to go but go to you one by one and go through some of the names that we've seen on 2.0. The, the less I've got, the, the kind of, not the main hi- I've got a couple of the main highlights I'll come to a bit like the Breakers, but these are these are the ones I'll go to. So, Dave, I'm going to start with you uh, on Andre Chase. Who? Oh, the Andre Chase University person. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the, th- that's the thing. Like, He's one of those guys that's immediately lost in the shuffle because there's too many other, like, there are names that stick out. He is not one of them. Like, honestly, if I if you were asked me to describe the performance of any other NXT 2.0 person, I would probably at least give you something to talk about. But I cannot, in good conscience, give you anything worthwhile on Andre Chase yeah. because I'm I don't like his. I'm not a fan of his gimmick. Uh, I haven't seen much from him in the way of wrestling. And it honestly, he's, he just feels like a, a ghost at this stage, in my opinion, well, I'm concerned. Well, that summarizes that one. Uh, anyway, uh, John, I'll go to you for a tag team here. We've got the tag team of Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. Brooks Jensen, son of the famous Bill Buchanan. <laughs> oh, what, what a pair. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they kind of came in like a bit of a house on fire. And then disappeared, and are now in a comedy angle as they're trying to get dates with um, Casey Catanzaro and uh, Caden Carter. There's something there. Um, Advice from Dexter Loomis as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I love Dexter Loomis. Dexter's great. Hilarious. I love him. Um, Yeah, they came in like a house on fire, but have quickly kind of like just faded a bit into the background and now we're doing this and and they're like you know meant to be these sort of beer swilling sort of like you know country boys in a sense but it they've just fallen away much like um gyv have done that you know they've disappeared and another tag teams like jacket time have just gone away i think they're in that kind of same bracket now where it's like well look we've got all these other teams uh, unfortunately you guys you're just having to stick to doing comedy because we're not going to let you show what you do in the ring because that fun hard-hitting tag team style that's taken by somebody else right now sorry yeah definitely uh so dave we mentioned them quite briefly earlier on the creed brothers i like the creed brothers i think you know when 
Diamond Mine was first advertised and stuff, where it was Roddy, Tyler Rust, and uh, was it Sudeki was the other guy? Is that Hachimai. how you pronounce his name? It's Hachiman, Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki, Suzuki, yeah. Hideki Suzuki, yeah. Uh, but yeah, when they brought Ivy Nile and the Creed Brothers in, I thought, well, I suppose this is their way to sort of bridge the gap between Black and Gold and 2.0. And the way they've been performing, you know, with likes of Imperium and GYV throughout the Dusty Cup, these guys, you know, they've got a lot of really good chemistry in the ring and they're very hard hitting. And with the backing of, obviously, the Black and Gold veteran that is Roddy Strong and a pretty decent manager with Malcolm Bivens. I think these guys have the potential to lead the tag team division going forward. So yeah, this is one of the other strongest booking points I can see from, from their tag team division. Uh, John, this could be an interesting one because I think a lot of people have kind of swayed a bit more on this one in recent weeks. Uh, Duke Hudson. Ah, the poker playing Duke Hudson. Um, yeah, he, he's he's got something. There's something there and, and he's... He's clearly a um, a world class dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's he's a horrible person, yeah, um, but he's not give me enough to like massively hate him in a way. Yeah, I mean, I I I I did enjoy the Fuber Cameron Grimes, uh, but yeah, he's not giving me anything like this massively exciting, ain't and. Like I've, I've, I literally just watched last, the, you know, this week's NXT earlier, and he was on that and talking about Indy Hartwell, and yeah, I don't know where he's going. Yeah, I, I think he's another one who is, he's there, he's got something, but they don't know what to do with him, and that makes him yeah. kind of not stand out at all. Yeah, yeah, I think that's quite fair. I think that's quite fair. Uh, Dave John mentioned that a heel who's not really getting hated. This guy definitely is getting hated. Uh, Grayson Waller. Oh, see, I wasn't keen on him, Grayson Waller, at first, but he seems to have finally found his footing, and he was a break. He had a breakout performance in War Games, in particular. You know, yeah. he's been going shoulder to shoulder with AJ Styles and LA Knight, so he definitely has a he definitely has potential for a potential maybe to become North American champion sometime. Will he reach the top of the card as NXT champion? Too early to say, but. So to summarize, I wasn't I wasn't keen on him at first, but he's given me a reason to keep an eye on him. This is an interesting pairing for you, John. Uh, Joe Gacy and Harlan. Oh, Joe Gacy and Harlan. I um yeah, intriguing these two. Um, I I don't quite know what they're doing with Harlan because I'm sure he had a lot more to offer in that kind of like. What, what was the game? Was it like the Destroyer of Gods or something like that? Yeah, what, what... Uh, was his name not Parker Bordeaux? Yeah, Parker Bordeaux. Yeah, that's the one. Parker Bordeaux and, 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 and that gimmick he had. Uh, he he just looked the the package right there, but they've gone, oh, no, wait a minute, mate, shape your head, and we're going to stick you with Joe Gacy, who is very controversial with kind of what he puts out, in a sense. Um, He can go in the ring. He's very different to a lot of what's on NXT. I kind of, I kind of dig the character. I, I I like what they're doing with it. Um, well, I don't know if it'll work on the main roster, but I I kind of get what they're doing with it. Um, but again, he's another one who's just like 
started a bit of a trajectory and then plateaued and stopped. Uh, again, I don't know what they're doing with, with, with those two, but yeah, I think Haaland's, there's a lot more that he could offer, uh, but he's once again slipped into the silent muscle role. But then again, so did Dave Batista. So yeah, maybe he's got a chance to prove me wrong. Oh, that's a good, a good comparison, actually, the Batista with Devon Dudley back in the day. Mm-hmm. Batista wants to forget that time. Uh, David, the guy who's been down since day one-ish, uh, Solo Sokoa. Ooh, definitely a lot of potential there, but I do worry his uh, his like, his like family connections in the bloodline, etc., are kind of where people turn their attention to. Like, they immediately think, oh, let's just get this guy immediately on the main roster so he can join Roman and the Usos. Uh, but no, I like what they've they've done with him so far. I think he had a pretty nice, pretty neat false count anywhere match with Boa just recently, and he even had the face pain in tribute to his uncle Umaga, which I thought was a very nice touch. So this is a guy who, I think he's got more exposure on 205 Live these days, but I think he deserves more exposure on NXT these days. But maybe they're just playing a long game with him. No, because they know, like, given his who his connections are and what his wrestling ability is, this guy's definitely got main roster potential all over him maybe he'll outgrow nxt in a few months but you know i think we'll just enjoy what solo sokoa has to offer yeah no definitely i had a crap debut they kind of just chucked him out there and had him do something but i think he's kind of there's going to be a lot game guy i think in there uh mm. john a guy we spoke about earlier tony d'angelo hey um i like tony d uh he's good oh, he's, he's, he's so good he's so he's, he's he's so much fun he, he is he is an absolute throwback. This is like heading right back to the eighties, old school characters that they had, and that you know he, he's he's not a, a new generation character. This is like an eighties throwback. You know, this is like this would fit in with like Rick the Model Martel and all that kind of era. Um, he looks decent in the ring. I think Pete Dunne's had a good few matches with him. Uh, looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with this. You know weapons cage match coming up soon uh that's a vengeance day i think it is um you know that should be pretty hard hitting but he's yeah he he's fun and he's you know like like the whole thing in the in his first match he's trying to bribe the ref yeah that was really really funny (laughs) yeah it's those little salties but i think tony d'angelo because people again people are behind him in a sense he's got some he's got some scope and 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 i think if they if they run with him and give him a bit more to do, then he's going to be a bit more of a breakout. Uh, Dave, what did people say when they're anticipating the ESSR feature show coming out? Come Tuesday, uh, as uh, Kyle O'Reilly's former big heavy teammate, uh, Vaughn Wagner. <sighs> Jesus, Mary Joseph and the wee donkey. Where'd you start with this big, gigantic <laughs> waste of space? <laughs> like, this guy is like if you want to talk about green characters this guy is as green as they get like who cares he got there because he's a big guy he has he has zero personality behind him honestly i've seen ironing boards with more personality than him i he just he cannot deliver a promo for shit i mean in all fairness like he did get a tag title match with Kyle against Imperium, but Imperium carried that match most of the that way. Like, they were that outstanding. That's the, best, that's the best match he's had. He was actually quite good in that match. <laughs> and he wasn't even involved for most of it. Like, but, no. He even just showed up randomly on SmackDown as well, which is a bit odd. But, 
you know who like you know who he reminds me of if you if you go back to the way 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 og nxt in the game show format do you know who he reminds me of eli cottonwood oh the my god guy with the famous mustache promo i think that's quite harsh yeah, like, Von, yeah, Von yeah. Wagner is just a giant piece of blank paper, isn't he? Yeah. That's what he is. And did he not beat LA Knight in the very first match of 2.0 when LA Knight was uh, meant to compete for the vacant title? That was Breaker. That was Breaker. Oh, that was Rob Breaker, yeah, right? Breaker, yeah. But yeah, Rob Breaker beats LA Knight when LA Knight's competing in the NXT title match. I mean, wait to just plummet his stock down and then you just stick Von Wagner in for some reason just because he's tall. Like... <laughs> The, the, the storyline angle was that he saved Kyle O'Reilly from getting beat up worse by Pete Dunne and Rich Holland. So, he, William Beagle rewarded them by putting him in the title match. And again, he just shows up randomly on SmackDown right before Survivor Series and you think, there is no way this guy is the fifth member of Team SmackDown when they needed to fill that spot. Oh, that would be something. I would have I've never been so happy to see Sheamus <laughs> fill a spot uh, compared to anybody else. So uh, we'll move on to the females quickly. Uh, go for a couple of them. Uh, John uh, Cora Jade. Yeah, Cora's uh, interesting. I think she she's got a chance to have a good connection with the fans. She's young. Um, she's decent in the ring. Uh, I thought she told a good story in War Games with the shoulder injury. Um, that 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 worked really well. I thought that worked really well, and you know. Obviously, she's been primed for a little bit of success. And I do like that they've not just run with her immediately and just gone, right, you know, let's just hotshot you and throw the title on you. They're letting it build up. And maybe that's something they kind of learned from AEW a bit because they've done that with some of the big stars that they've brought in or ones that they're building right now. Like, you know, MJF, you thought, might have had a title before now, but he hasn't. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's something there. I... I don't think she needs to skate to the ring on that tiny skateboard and then hold it up like that doesn't do her any favor. Yeah, the, the presentation's not great. It's not perfect, but there's something there, and she's got that great connection with you know she's got a good connection with the audience. I think you know she's she's relatable. She's young. She's scrappy. She you know she's living a dream, um, and and she's got that you know she, she's kind of showing off that alternative lifestyle kind of you know look. So she wants that. Uh, you know, to connect with the audience. And it, it, as soon as you, you get people dressing like you, turning up to shows, that's when you're on a winner. And yeah, I, I think that's like one of the big things you missed with Tony Storm. Because like, you know, you, you would have seen Tiny Storm turn up and people like with the, the Tony Storm stripe on the faces and people like that look. And if, if she can kind of convert that audience to her, she, you know, shoot her to the moon she's going to be she's going to be great but I think she can go in the ring you know she's very decent in the ring yeah I, I, I like it I think she's got something there uh, clearly so do uh, the guys that are in NXT she's just uh, a bit bland like she needs to like pop a bit more in, in her promos and stuff There's, there needs to be a little bit more there I, f- I think Raquel will help her I think Raquel mm. will help her yeah Raquel. Gonzalez is phenomenal oh yeah she's had a similar trajectory she kind, yeah. of, kind of similarly although she was not like a plucky underdog style she was just a big big woman who could barely speak barely work and now she's one of the best female workers the company's got and, uh, and Dave I'm going to go with you on the uh, Mandy Rose's two companions mm-hmm. um, Toxic Attraction 
Yeah, they, those two have definitely found their feet with the, the the new stable forming. You know, Toxic Attraction's definitely the most talked about stable on NXT, I would argue, maybe even way ahead of the, the Diamond Mine. But this is a good direction for the NXT women's division to go forward because it not only puts focus on the NXT women's title, but it finally gives some, you know, some spotlight to the tag championships as well. But you know what's quite odd? I'm pretty sure in the first Women's Dusty Cup, Cora Jade actually teamed with Gigi Dolan uh, before bef- before JC Jane turned up. JC Jane teamed up with somebody else. And, uh-huh. and just, I'm just checking it out. She did team with Cora... Uh, Gigi Dolan teamed with Cora Jade and JC Jane. Did she did she show up? No, I'm she sure didn't. She... No, she didn't compete in the Dusty Class. I'm thinking right. of it. Because Gigi Dolan... Cora Jade and Zoe Stark all get signed on the same day. Yeah, right. So that's I, why. I, I, think I think it's Zoe Stark. But yeah, that, that's pretty mad actually, considering Cora and Gigi teamed before joining Toxic Attraction. But no, I like the, the what they're doing. You know, they've they've clearly put all their eggs in the Toxic Attraction basket for the women's division. And to be honest, that's actually the second thing that I like about. You know, it's not only does it give people a reason to focus on the men's division with Braun Breaker leading the helm, but you've got all three members of Toxic Attraction leading the charge with the women's division. And as heels, it actually, it's a different dynamic from the sort of face-ish Braun Breaker. Yeah. And uh, John, to round off this recap of some of our new faces, uh, something you mentioned earlier on as well, Wendy Chu. Oh, Wendy. She's just the best. Um... Wendy's awesome. I mean, that wasn't even sarcastic. Wednesday, it, uh, Wednesday, um, Wendy is brilliant. She's she's so much fun. It's a ridiculous gimmick. It's so out there. That you're like, nah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, like she she's kind of like that again. It's that relatability thing. Everyone wants to have a nap. Everyone likes a good kip. We all like a good sleep. And hey, she's doing it in the ring. I mean, that elbow. Oh my word, the, the sleep elbow is just... Re- and she wrestles in slippers, man. This is immense. Uh, Forget the fancy sli- boots. Slippers and a onesie. Like yeah, that. You just can't make it up. With a, a slurpy cup. I, I don't I don't get the slurpy thing. Maybe that's like a, a sort of American, Californian kind of gimmick. I don't know. But yeah, the, I, I think it was... Um, I can't remember who it was who mentioned this. And they'd be like, oh no, Wendy, she likes to get up. Drink a Slurpee and have a nap. I'm like, yeah, everyone wants to get up, have a little drink, and then go back to bed. And, and <laughs> she's, she's just so much... Because she's so ridiculous that it works. It's it the old, works. It's, I think it's the, most, it's the most ridiculous gimmick that works since probably... I don't know. It's hard to think of a good... like Because I was going to say Santino, but I wasn't a fan of that gimmick, if I'm being honest. Oh, yeah, uh, it, it has got, it's definitely got Orange Cassidy vibes about it. That's maybe that's what's drawn me to it. Yeah, yeah, of course that that does kind of work. I mean, I, I think again, these characters have a ceiling. They've mm. got you know they've, they've got a point where it's going to be like, okay, this isn't this 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 was funny. It's not now, um, but yeah, like I I love that whole kind of like oh I'm just asleep and then she absolutely erupts. And she like starts throwing people around. The suplexes are great. She's fast. She's snappy. You're like, oh wow, this is this is good. She's got some pop to those suplexes and those kind of judo throws. Mm-hmm. And and then you know she's just back having a, a kip again. And I she I love the fact that she works the gimmick into like all the pins and stuff. And she's there like you know like asleep on the pin. 
and and that is it's brilliant it's just absolutely great i think she's she's again like a little standout who i think will will grow and get a, a really really good reaction from a crowd without a doubt yeah, no, definitely. And uh, the less we talk about Lash Legend, the better. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're going to now talk the two the two ones I mentioned, uh, Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes. Uh, David, Carmelo Hayes, he won the breakout tournament just before the 2.0 launch. Sean Michael sees a lot uh, in him. Uh, what do you make of these two? These two look like they could be the figureheads of this brand for a while. Broadbreaker for sure, because I think they were immediately sold on him from the word go. Carmelo was almost like a bit of a transitional competitor. You know, obviously he was the last sort of major breakout star on the black and gold. But the good, th what what he's been able to do is be, he's been able to carry that over to 2.0. You know, he's not like, he's still a fresh-ish face, but he has that momentum from black and gold over. And I would honestly argue Carmelo is one of those guys who would succeed on either 2.0 or black and gold because he just has that sort of swag that charisma and obviously the the in-ring talent that would rival you know a guy like isaiah swerve scott you know who had the that same similar level of swag with the rest of hit row uh his backup trick williams is definitely a you know is, is his heavy hand he gives him a bit of a someone to bounce off of and they've got great chemistry together now carmelo is the the third reason that makes makes me actually give a crap about 2.0 because you know he's sort of like the last of the dying breed of what could have been on black and gold had they continued with it but he's just took his ball and he's rolled with it on 2.0 and he's doing great as a result of it yeah john we've talked about broadbreaker double blue in the face uh he was one of the guys we heard about him getting signed around about the same time as harlan parker bordeaux a lot more people were talking about bordeaux at that particular point, so obviously he had the Steiner name and that type of stuff. So when he came in, everybody thought right, he's going to do something well in this brand. But literally, first guy in the door, you know, I'm going to do this. At the end of the show, I'm going to do this. And then as the weeks go on, we kind of see, I think there's a great, the great thing is that he just gets it. Some guys just walk in the door. Kurt Igo is a great example. I'm not comparing Broadbreaker to Kurt Igo in any way, shape or form. But Kurt Angle just walked straight at the door and got it. I mean, I know he was an amateur wrestler, that type of stuff. But Braun Breaker has got the athletic capabilities. You summed it up perfectly. He is pretty much, he's Scott Steiner on the mic. And he's got the bits about his dad. You know, he's got so much to him, you know. They're not shy about making references to bad mathematics in the family. But I think Braun Breaker. There was chat about being in the Rumble as well, uh, interacting with Ziggler. I don't know, Ziggler was on NXT the last week or so. I think he could be headlining WrestleMania within a few years. Oh, 100%. He's got it. Um, I saw him on the UK tour uh, when he was in a triple threat with Sami Zayn and uh, Champa for the NXT title before he won it from Champa. And he is, he is so good. He is really good. Like I said, he gets it, um, which I think is half the battle understanding what to do not just like oh you know how to how to plan the match and and you know all the mechanics of it but actually getting the industry and getting how it works and getting how to get over he he knows it he's got it and you know yeah the family connection is going to help you know like he's 
But he's kind of stepping out of that shadow because even though they'll kind of reference it, he's not he's not blatantly a Steiner. Yeah, you know, no, he'll do the stuff. Everything but... coordinated didn't have the name. Everything yeah. was like, why have you not gave him the Steiner name? It's like, because I want people not to judge me by my, my family. Do you hear how he came up with the, the Bron Breaker name? It's like the most simple story ever. He's like, well, what if, what if I'm the guy who like breaks stuff? <laughs> breaks yeah. two keys. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm going to be Breaker. And that was it. You know, and obviously his, his name's Bronson. So, you know, they they uh, they use that. And he's like, yeah, I'm Breaker. I'm going to break things. Uh, I, and it, it, it's cool. He's so... He he gets it. He Like you said before, he just he understands it. And he's... He's good in the ring. Like I say, he moves like his dad. He talks like his uncle. And just those little things in that first match that I saw when he's moving like Rick. And you're like, this is a throwback for people of, of our vintage who've watched wrestling for so long. You know, and we remember or, or we've seen the Steiners at their peak because we've gone back and watched it on the network. And you see the, the, the similarities, the singlet, the boots. You know, he's not gone for the headgear. He... He looks different, but he's impactful as well, I think. And he's come on that scene and and kicked the door down and made a point. And instantly, people have got behind him. And I think that was that was half the battle. Like the job was done so easily for him. You know, he he just walked in there. Like I said, he got it. Like Kurt Angle did. You know, Kurt Angle just walked in that building and, and knew what he was doing. And and it's worked. And to, you know. To be fair to him, he's not exactly been doing the business that long because they just recruited him and he's kind of learned there and obviously been learning from his dad and his uncle and taking their moves and that that's great. But I I, I like Braun a lot. Like so I think he's got potential next this time next year he'll be at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean I think I talked to the people who just get it. I think if you look at two guys who have just came in across the wrestling big companies and get it, you get hit. You get him on the WWE side, you get Hook on the AEW side, they took me money in a couple of years time, absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. Those two guys are, are the future, and it, it's it's booking them right now. And I think that was, that's was that been the problem when, that, like, we've, we mentioned this before, when people like that jump to the main roster, and the booking lets them down. And now I, uh, this is where maybe there is an advantage of how they're doing NXT now 2.0 and it is this kind of developmental and they're saying well we want to recruit people who were bringing in and we're training them in our style and we're making them WWE athletes maybe that's going to help that transition because they don't have to have the indie beat out of them yeah mm. one thing I will, I'll say Dave is uh, about a month or so ago well there's a lot of guys from that whole black and gold generation they're still down there how long they're going to be still down there i'm not too sure about the, the names that come up we've obviously got champa and uh, pete dunn he signed the new contract in august so he will still be in wwe for a while and mm-hmm. uh, raquel who we mentioned io shirai is still down there as well uh dexter lewis is another guy who's been doing it for a while cameron grimes even class earlier night, he clashed earlier night as a, a black and gold mainstay, even though he only joined last year. Uh, it's weird, uh, like, even it, it, black and gold for war games, yeah. It does look like he will be going to the main roster, though, by the sounds of it. It does seem that they, they're going to put him on Raw from what I've read and seen. But they have a lot, of, but we've obviously saw, to many people, you included, there's been a bit of a dissolvement of the. Uh, the heart of the company, you know, of the yeah. heart of the brand, you know, we saw uh, Adam Cole, we mentioned it on the show, he left pretty much just before the revamp. 
Uh, and just after War Games, we saw another couple of big departures. We saw that uh, Johnny Gargano, a particularly emotional departure. He may be back in WWE. He may not be. Who knows? But he's got more important things to worry about for the short term. And the other one is Kyle O'Reilly, who would turn up in AEW. And Dave, I don't know if you've seen this, but in the last few days, he's spoken to Renee. I'm not going to say her second name, I can barely pronounce it. Renee Paquette, yeah, on oral sessions. Mrs. Moxley, uh, who, when she asked him about this, he said he overheard some comments before he was leaving saying that uh, WWE wanted some, didn't really want pure wrestlers. And he was, and he was kind of like, well, I'm a pure wrestler, so I'm not going to stay about. You know what? That's WWE in a nutshell right there, because I mean, sure, I mean, it used to be World Wrestling Entertainment, but now on its trading, it's just known as WWE. Like, and you could just fill the fill the acronym with whatever you want. It doesn't matter because they're not a wrestling company; they're a sports entertainment company. So I think Kyle probably did the right thing getting out of there when he could, because he was starting to lose a lot of steam following the dissolvement of Undisputed Era. I mean, sure, he got a a good feud out of Adam Cole with it, but. It did feel like they were trying to replicate the magic they had with Champ and Gargano in 2018, and then obviously Gargano and Cole the following year. It just didn't feel the same, and you know, Kyle O'Reilly on his own, as you said, a professional wrestler in a sports entertainment company, it was trying to put a, a square box in a circular hole in Kyle's case. So, and I'm really glad that he. Adam Cole and Bobby Fish are now all back together in AEW, possibly undergoing a, a name change for the stable, but you know, that, that doesn't matter. Well, Those three guys. They can't use Undisputed there, they make it. No, the, the rivers, uh, it's going to be called Paragon now. Gosh, but the, so at the minute, they're, um, at the minute they're, they're just sort of brushing shoulders with the elite. And um, you know what? That's the, the cream of the crop in AEW, and if those guys are up there, then fair play to them. Let's just hope they do well. But yeah, it was just a shit. The curious case of Adam Cole was that, you know, I think he was all geared up for a main roster run, but he would not, like, because WWE's very peculiar about their Twitch streaming, about their stars making extra income. And he, rumors were like he was saying, I am not giving up my Twitch channel to be sold to be a sellout. And yet I. I have a massive great deal of respect for him because I've seen his Twitch streams and he just, he shines so well, you know, with the rest of the guys on Up, Up, Down, Down. He does a podcast with Tyler Breeze. And they, like, WWE superstars need an outlet like that to sort of engage with their audience on a different level. But if WWE just wants to keep them in their own bubble, then shame on them because it, it just feels like a giant factory of mass production. You know, say, this is our these are our terms and conditions you have to be a certain look to fit with us we're going to train you to be a sports entertainer you don't have to have any prior wrestling knowledge and that infuriates me about the new product because it was pretty obvious you know what they were going for in their series of new recruits they had to be at least a certain height they had to weigh at least 250 pounds and for the female talent you know they were looking at people you know that had like a history of modeling or, or cheerleading etc it was it was madness like i mean i don't how else to explain it like john is, am i being fair on this no i i completely get where you're coming from uh, i think you know you've kind of like mentioned the recruitment process in a way 
perfectly. They're, they're, that's what they're going for now. And they're, you know, WWE don't do wrestling. Look at the whole thing that happened with Mickey James mm-hmm. and, the, you know, it Impact Wrestling Women's, you know, Knockout Champion. They didn't mention wrestling because they don't do wrestling. They nope. didn't mention knockouts because they don't have knockouts or divas, you know, it's female talent that they've got there. And when it comes to the recruitment, the whole next in line thing is what's, that's, that's their new mantra so they're getting these people straight out of college because they don't want them going anywhere else and learning you know they they don't want to they don't want to send them to places like you know where i go to train because it's not their style they don't want that they want to mold you immediately but they also are looking for people as you said there who are going to be the future of nxt who are instantly recognizable such as and I, uh, you know their names completely escaped me but um the the twins the basketball twins that they've signed the the two girls yeah you can't think of the names but you know who i'm talking about the two blonde twins who have got like millions of tiktok and twitter and Instagram followers because that gives them an instant connection to another audience. So they're going to follow that audience. They're going to follow those people across to NXT or wherever they go to see what those two girls do at some point. And it's the same with like Gable Stevenson, who's that? Yeah, I know he's had a name change now because I remember seeing it. He announced his name change on the day of the Royal Rumble. So I started throwing all the... Um, all the rumors there. I'm going to find it on, on Insta now. Um, but, you know, you, you, you see, like you said, yeah, that's what they want. It's a different company now. It's a completely different thing. And, yeah, it's, it's something that they're going to, they're going to recruit in a different manner, for sure. And, and it, you know, we're seeing not what AEW are going to do. You want to watch wrestling? Watch AEW. You want to be entertained? Watch WWE. I think they've kind of, at this particular point, I think there will be a point where uh, WWE will sign in the talent again because, you know, you look at AEW, the roster is great, but it's fucking massive. Uh, well, he said though, hasn't he? Tony Khan said, I think in the past 24 hours, he can't re-sign everybody. Oh, so no, people are going to be leaving the company. Yeah, there's a lot of people there who... I think he admitted himself. He was like, I, I kept them going because the pandemic. I think if it wasn't for the pandemic, we'd have let a lot of people go in some public capacity. That, didn't look what I look at that's, that's, just a bus- I, that's, that's just a business owner, you know, being a relatable human being, you know, just out of the goodness of his own heart, you know, making sure people were financially stable through the most unprecedented time any of us will experience. But, but, uh, so it's kind of interesting at that point of view, but there's also talk as well. WWE might sign some indie guys on like six week deals or short deals to kind of. What does that do for the new guys out? What does it do for the the indie guys though? Did they they get a WWE credit on their CV and on their, you know, they they get a couple of matches on TV maybe, you know, that it doesn't do anything for them because like in six weeks time they're gonna go thank you very much guys you've done a great job looking after the you know Dave who's turned up through the the door of the PC. You've trained him well. You've taught him how to roll and, and take a back bump. Thanks a lot. Um, see you later. Well done. Honestly, and, it's, and then it's he's like what, hustling on the indies again. Yeah, it's like what I was saying earlier. Like the, the reason NXT became so successful is I think it's because they capitalized on bringing in indie superstars who didn't know the WWE style. And NXT was a way for them to still be under the WWE banner, but not necessarily adapt to the style. You know, this is the one. 
it was a brand where you know these indie talents could be themselves and not have to worry about being judged for either being too skinny or too short or not like not as engaging with a, a a massive audience you know this is a these are people who would who do way way better in front of a smaller audience and a smaller hardcore audience who will no doubt know who these people are and they will make they will do everything in their power to support them you know on this new venture because they want to see these people perform if you're just gonna you know bring in a, a massive group of people just because you know they they look a certain way or they've already got a massive following elsewhere that's not what wrestling fans want to see they want to see you know people that they recognize from the entire industry not because there's there's going to be a lot of people who are not on tiktok like i don't i'm not on tiktok i wouldn't know who these basketball twins are and stuff but uh i've no it doesn't put any confidence in me for them to be going into a wrestling ring and be able to deliver a wrestling match in a company that dubs oh, itself sports yeah. entertainment. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like, this is the thing that, you know, the way audiences have changed. I think you noticed this with Raw, haven't you, as well? Like, Raw's uh, TikTok views and their YouTube views are through the roof for a lot of the stuff they do because Raw's that show, even though it's three hours long, you can consume it in tiny, tiny little bits. Mm-hmm. Smackdown's different. Smackdown's, you know, the, the, you know, it's arguable now Smackdown's the flagship show of WWE. Mm-hmm. And that's not just because it's on Fox, but it's also got, you know, the head, yeah, the head guy right now in, in a sense uh, on top of it. But it's the way that people are consuming things differently now and the way that people are seeing the content in a different manner. They want this different presentation so they'll, they'll be able to latch onto those clips of the basketball twins and and anybody else who they're going to find the gable stevenson's uh, you know the world who's got that pedigree he's, you know he's got that there i mean they, they've all got to come in and be able to do the basics you know and and that's maybe why they're going to hire the indie guys to teach them the basics because you know that they'll all go into a ring and they'll all stand there you know in front of you know the the, the coaching staff and everybody who's there and and then they'll go right, okay. So, 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 what do we do? How, how do I do a drop kick again? How do I do this? And mm. and they go, well, no, you're not going to learn a drop kick for a few weeks because you got to learn how to roll and bump first. You got to learn how to control. You. Oh yeah, you can control your body because you're an athlete, but you haven't done it in here. Mm-hmm. So you got to learn how to do this, and then they'll, they'll all fall over instantly. So you you don't want to be watching those you know green as grass matches where they're forgetting how to do spots like the international and you know simple tackles and things like that and screwing you know a hip toss up and and botching it you know i botch so much in training yeah we all goes wrong in training but when when you get in the ring you want to get it all right mm-hmm. so like you've got to iron that stuff out and i think there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of patience needed if you're a wrestling fan who wants to see this but if you're a an entertainment fan who wants to see these big characters doing something athletic, then maybe you're there. And that's what it's going to be like in the future. Right now, we're in that possible transitional period. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm interested to see how it kind of goes in the next uh, year or so. To round off the show, guys, I'm going to ask you briefly to give me four things. I'm going to ask you to give me your rating of NXT 2.0 so far out of five. What you want to see from them in the next year? Who's been the best 
Star on NXT 2.0 and who's the one to watch? Uh, John, I'll go to you first. Solid three. Um, for me, they're um, one step forward, two steps back all the time. They have a couple of good shows and then end up popping backwards with some really poor content. Um, Breakout star, clearly Bron Breaker. Um, I think followed very closely by Grayson Waller, who I think will be big. He's had a good rub from AJ. And um, I think LA Knight will do the job for him on the way out to the main roster and put him over big. Um, Ivy Nile, I think as well. And I, I still see great things for Raquel when she moves up. So that that's it. Um, what do I want to see out of him in the future? Um, really solid storytelling and good matches. If you give me something I can invest in, I can. I will not be bothered that you're not giving me a five-star classic from, you know, the Tokyo Egg Dome. I, I, I won't cry at that. If you're giving me a good storyline I can invest in, and it's not the best match, but I want to see the conclusion the week after or whatever. Gold. Uh, and um, what was the other one? Sorry, the fourth point. What to watch? The what? The one to watch? Oh, um, Ivy Nile. Yeah, that's a good show. Yeah, Ivy Nile. I, yeah, Ivy Nile definitely. Uh, I was I was thinking about like because there's some other female talent about to debut and I've not really seen much of them. I've just seen like, Tiffany Stratton a couple of times. <laughs> and again, there's like like the characters there, but the the in ring possibly isn't. But yeah, I yeah. I Nile I think will be definitely one to. She, do you know what she reminds me of? I don't know whether you guys have seen much of her, but um, she reminds me of Camille. I Camille Brickhouse. Yes. From NWA. She reminds me a lot of Camille. That strong, silent type. And that, yeah, the, the height differential. I, height Camille's difference, a, yes. Camille's a giant. Um, and Ivy's but, only about five foot. Yeah, like, yeah, she's tidy. Yeah, exactly. But they've got that very similar kind of, mm-hmm. you know, character. And Camille's just broke out now, you know, obviously taking the NWA women's title. And now she's speaking because that was her gimmick. She didn't speak. Um... But now she's doing that, and she's doing good promos for herself. And I, th- I think Camille's, you know, one of the the stars who could make it. It just hasn't yet. And Ivy Nile reminds me of that, but in a slightly different fashion. So I think Ivy Nile is going to be one that's, yeah, you know, one to watch. You know, she's got like Shayna Baszler esque, um, you know, potential to get onto the main roster and rip some people apart. So let's see what you know what they're going to do. But I also don't want to take him away from Malcolm Bivens because I think Bivens is just the best. So mm. yeah, I, I, definitely a high point of two point oh is more Bivens on the screen. Uh, Dave, I'm going to go to you. What's yours? Oh. Current product is getting a two and a half from me. Like, sure, there are some great performers on it, but. I'm struggling to see any interesting story to follow at this stage. And there's too many people on that roster that are still as green as grass and are just trying to fit, you know, Vincent Bruce Pritchard's wet dream scenario at this stage. But what I would like to see is more involvement from 
main roster stars coming down. You know, like we've seen Dolph Ziggler and AJ Styles both make appearances on this version. I, I would like to see more of that because at least, you know, it gives, you know, any guys that are floundering on the main roster something to do, gives them a new program and it helps, you know, establish veterans, bring up new talent. Like like what you said with the full sale, you know, uh, NXT, and that was one of your big highlights for that. So that's, there's definitely potential there. Better stories as well is another thing. Like, you know, even if it's just simple, I want the title and I'm going to play mind games with you to, to get there. Uh, best performer, I was going to say Braun as well, but for argument's sake, I'll just say Carmelo Hayes. You know, he's the guy that sort of bridged the gap between Black and Gold and 2.0, and he's just carried that momentum forward, and he's doing absolutely brilliant with himself. One to watch. Um, again, Ivy Nile was a great shout, but I will go with Grayson Waller. You know, we, we said before, I think War Games was his sort of breakout performance. And now he's mingling with AJ Styles. He's mingling with LA Knight. I think if he keeps on this path, he has got the potential to to get there. But if I was to pick a tag team, I'd say the Creed Brothers. Oh yeah, good show, good show. Uh, I would agree with John on the three. I think they've had some really good episodes, but there's points is they have a couple of week, couple of bad weeks, a few good weeks. We've not got the consistency yet, which is the thing I would like to see improved. I would like to see a bit more consistency with the storytelling week on week. Uh, to help lead them to the big events, I think that will help uh, help with these characters as they build forward. Got <laughs> uh, to go with Breaker, the MVP. I know Carmelo has been brilliant, and I can't not talk about my man Tony D. Uh, guy to watch. I've seen a couple of bits of him, and he looks like he's got something there. He's impressed with the bits I've seen of him. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. Malik Blade. Yep. Yeah, he's good. Hmm. He looks like he's got something there. I think he's at the tag team. He was in the Dusty yeah. Classic with uh, Edris and Alpha. I can't his name. Yeah, Edris and Alpha, yeah. He's good as well, actually. He's, he's decent. Yeah, I think, I think they two could get something. Uh, just not Lash Legend. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was taken off TV after that. Yeah, she, on 205 she was on, like, 205 Live, wasn't she? And, and I think a few... Yeah, but she's not been on for a while because, again, she's just green as grass and they've thrown she her on there and it's not working she had a match with Sari she had a match with Sari on 205 Live I would urge people just to go oh. watch it just to see how bad the highlights are awful yeah. aren't they and they're highlights oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the match is not great and she's not been on anywhere since Sari's had a bit of a, a gimmick change kind of she's a bit more prominent on TV she's got a win over the Kota Kai yeah mm-hmm. the match is nowhere to be seen <laughs> but no who's nowhere to be seen this podcast, you can find us everywhere. We are on all the podcasting uh, channels, uh, Spotify, iTunes, anything you get on the Google podcast. I don't have a Google phone on an Android, so I don't tell you exactly the full list. But we're on everywhere, everywhere you can get a podcast. Also on YouTube, and we're also on the World Wide Web. I sound about 20 years older than I am. <laughs> they are, uh, You're my geography teacher. Sure, I used to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easily simplexretweet.com. Uh, we're also on the socials, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. We are not at Cup Point on TikTok. We may be on TikTok soon. Who knows? I don't use it very much. I couldn't tell you how to use it. I have I, a profile. I, I don't use it, but I've got one. I have a profile to, I have a profile to watch videos on it. And that's yeah, it. that's pretty much it. Same. But yeah, you can find us everywhere on it. We say on a podcast stream. We've got so much great content on there. We've got these feature shows that are coming out. We've got a lot of good ones this month. We've got a review of St. Valentine's Day Massacre. 
which is one that's definitely worth a watch. We're going back to NXT in March, where we're talking about the best NXT feuds, which uh, Dave is hosting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, one, that's one to look out for next uh, next month. We've also got ESSR Central every week, which Dave and John are both uh, panelists on. You can hear them once every month. Uh, and we've also got Saturday Draft Live, which Dave's on as well. <laughs> well I'm everywhere right now. You're all over the place, mate. You're like the you're the yeah. uh, the linchpin. One of the pillars of ESSR keep this whole podcast afloat here. That's what you are. You're one of the, one of the OGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is the MGF of a pillar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that has been uh, our look at the first few months of NXT 2.0. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, David Hockney, of course. Thank you. Thank you very much. And to John Asherman. Thank you, John. Thank you, sir. Yes, I've been Stephen Wilson, and we will see you next time. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.